listening to the Derek Asante podcast, also known as DAPS, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we are chatting with another friend of mine. Uh, he's someone that I've come to know well in a short period, but share various similar similar goals together and visions. Um, I definitely respect this individual, not only for his approach in life and keeping it simple, but I admire him for his character and selflessness when it comes to helping others. Um, this brother comes from humble beginnings and has built his, you know, his entire, you know, empire, which he's still building by giving back and helping those around him. I've asked him to join me in a conversation about future planning and how we can, you know, better prepare for the future whether it's for, you know, yourself or your family and things like that, and just ensuring generational wealth of some sort for, you know, yours and my family as well. So please help me welcome my friend, Andrew Del Mundo. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Derek. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Uh, man, how have you been? I've been good, man. I'm getting good. This family's good. Staying, Everyone's staying healthy. Um just trying to cope with this uh, pandemic we're in, but uh, staying positive at all the time. That's it. That's how we can do. I mean, if it's not in your control directly, then you got to kind of work within the confines, right? You can only control what you can control. That's it. Now, yes, sir. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to start with a quote. I usually try and start with a quote and then get your opinion on this quote. All right. All right. All right. So this quote is something that I came up with. It's It reads, stop complaining about what you don't have and start using the tools you do have. Ooh, powerful stuff. Right. Um, hey, uh, for me, when, when I hear um, quotes like that, um, it's very common like to, to, to see people, uh, not so much in this generation, but in, in society in general, to complain, right? Uh, negative stuff sells. It's what we see on the news. Um, but can we dig a little deeper inside ourselves and say, Hey, you know what? I, I have the tools to either overcome a challenge or be more positive about a situation uh, so that uh, we're not first and foremost complaining, but we're finding resolutions uh, or answers to those problems so that uh, it, it turns into a positive experience versus always a negative one. Right. That makes sense there. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Cause I usually try and preach that as well. Uh, you know, to just remind people that, life isn't perfect. It, it isn't supposed to be perfect. No. And neither are we. So we got to work with all the imperfections and what we have, the tools that we've been blessed with, we got to maximize them. Right. And yeah, I think until you tap into that, you won't really know what your true potential is. So. Of course. And, and yeah, learning a new skill, getting, obtaining a new tool to put in your, your, your personal life tool belt uh, always will, Will, will come in handy uh, at some point in your life. Right. Now, <clears throat> so today I want to talk about, you know, future planning, what that looks like. Because um, I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from this information. Because uh, you and I mm-hmm. usually have these side conversations here and there when we get a chance to connect. And I just want to kind of bring some of that out today so that we can kind of share with, with the people that are listening. And the reason being is also it's beneficial not for them alone, but it's also going to be beneficial for you uh, as far as being able to get in contact with more people that 
can benefit from the information that you have and the services that you have to provide, right? Hey, I, I just appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I love sharing the, uh, my, my knowledge and uh, hopefully can impart some, uh, something on someone during this podcast today. Right. Now, I also obviously want to be nosy and learn a little bit about, you know, more about you as we go along as well. So, okay. <laughs> um, right. So let's dive right into it now. What's, what's your official designation? Like, just to give the listeners a preface of who you are and what you're about. Like, All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I've been a licensed financial professor, professional, uh, actually a six, it's the sixth year uh, this month. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's been a while and um, time goes by fast, but the ultimate goal of having this designation uh, as a financial professional is always to give the clients uh, financial education first and foremost. Right. Uh, when you, we talked about it earlier in this podcast, having that information, getting those tools um, will help you get or make better financial decisions. Right. right? Um, when it comes to finance, people look at it as money, but you have some goals, you have some dreams out there. Is there a financial uh, restraint that's prohibiting you from getting to those goals? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if I can pl- provide something or some information that or even perhaps a solution that's um suitable for your specific need or for your specific plan, goal, dream. Right. Um, can I make it affordable as well? Nice. nice. Yeah. Awesome. So <clears throat> that's great. Now I don't want you to give all the gems away right off the bat. Okay. I, all right. <laughs> I want you to sprinkle it across the conversation, but I want to back okay. up a bit because I want to know yeah. who is Andrew? Like, I want to know where you're from originally. What's your background? What's your family's background? Just to create some context for the listeners. Okay. Um, my, my parents immigrated from uh, the Philippines back in the 70s. Um, born in Toronto, Canada, uh, Catholic background, and um, hey, Catholic school. Had, I have one sibling, but at the same time, um, went to school, went to college, uh, but I became a, a, a very young um, worker in the, in the food industry uh, at the, the sound age of 14. Um, and at t- age 20, I became a restaurant manager for one of the, those fast food chains out there. So uh, I have a very extensive management background early on in my life, but um, I also had my kids early on in life. Um, so um, some of the things we're going to talk about today were not specifically taught to me. So we have to kind of learn yeah. uh, as we went along, right? So what's what's one thing that you would say you definitely learned um, through your lived experience that you didn't get from post-secondary? And what did you take in post-secondary anyway? Okay. Um, I took a couple things. I took uh, mechanical engineering, and I also have a, uh, an IT uh, diploma um, that I, I finished in, uh, in college. Wow. But um, the things I, that I didn't get um, from the schooling, and, and no offense to or no blame to be shed, was um, I wasn't taught about finance. Right. Uh, and I think most of us aren't to, to a certain degree. Some of it's self-taught. Maybe it's how our parents taught us. Right. Um, but me and my wife developed a debt uh, way of life very early on in our relationship. Mm. And um, as, you, as you probably heard before, debt became a way of life. Right. 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 Uh, the more money you make, the more money you spend. Right. Everything that people have heard um, in 2008 uh, we were actually casted for a, a TV show, a very popular Canadian TV show. I don't, I don't know, Derek, if you've heard of it, uh, but it was called Till Debt 
D-E-B-T, do us part. No way. <laughs> yes. I don't think I ever shared that with you in our past conversations. That is right? awesome. But um, for those of you who, who know the show, it's a lady who comes into your house, tidies up your personal finance, um, puts a hugely strict budget on you so you can kind of get out of debt and get back on track financially. Did it right? help you? Um, hey, we learned a lot from, from those habits. If you Google being financially responsible these days, some of those um, concepts that she shared with us mm-hmm. uh, are, are very common sense, right? right? But even after that, um, I think six, seven more years passed and me and my wife still were not on the financial track that I wanted to get on or that we wanted to get on, right? right. right? Um, so in 2015, we were approached with a uh, opportunity of learning financial education, being a little bit more financially literate. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, uh, I always, I'm very proud to share the story. Maybe I'll share it down the road. But um, within a year, we were able to wipe out the debt. Um, we learned the stock market in the next couple of year after that. Uh, I parlayed that into some uh, investment properties. And I'm financially very literate now. And again, sharing that knowledge with others going forward. Wow. So, right? so how did you... Okay, so you, you spent some time in the restaurant industry for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't learn anything relating to finances in post-secondary because you studied engineering and, and something else. Yep. But when, tell me about the time when that switch happened, where you decided, you know what, I need to learn about this and this is how I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, I think uh, when I, I mentioned a, little, a few comments back, uh, the more you make, the more you want to spend. Right. And... Yes, spending uh, became a way of life, uh, driving ourselves into debt. But when the switch came on was, um, and probably the topic about uh, what we're talking about today is about where is this going to take me down the road uh, mm-hmm. financially, right? What's the big picture going to look like if I continue on this path of debt? And yes, some of those attributes are things we learned on that TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2015, when uh, I start to actually dive into um why we couldn't get out of this debt cycle. Um, a lot of things were exposed and I didn't, uh, I made the switch, the, the light bulb turned on and here we were um, directing our path or getting more structured path towards um, not living in debt anymore. That was the first first and foremost goal. I wanted to get out of debt. Right. And, af- and after that, could we develop another plan, right? Now, I'm, I'm assuming this is very similar to what most of us go through as far as you guys are spending money on things that you just wanted to enjoy, uh, whether it be toys that you liked um, and things like that. Is that how you kind of fell into that, that debt to begin with? Uh, of course. I love the word toys. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, in my uh, career that I have now outside of the, my financial business, um, I did. Oh, I, I have opportunities to do overtime, and I always say, "Well, I did overtime to buy toys." Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't hear me say, "Is I did overtime to pay down debt." Uh, right? Um, hey, you, if you ever get, maybe we'll watch a TV show one day. Maybe there'll be a second podcast, and you'll have a video section where uh, I had a, I had big screen TVs. I had a nice fancy motorcycle, right, right. Uh, nice cars. Right? Um, hey, you live the life. You you make some money. You you want to spend that harder in cash. Right. Um, but at the same time, is it? Um, it's not. It's you're living in the now and not and not the future, and um, that stuff will catch up to you pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, 
looking back, is there a character trait that you find that you you've seen either in your current, you know, obviously in your current position, um, that you see in clients that come to you that, you know, pretty much prevents them from succeeding or achieving their goals? Is there a character trait that you've noticed over and over that people seem to have that shows up all the time? Yeah, um, there are like generic ones like laziness and procrastination. I think that's an inherent trait in in all of us to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the trait I often saw was 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 fear, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the fear of like falling short, um, feeling short, falling short of what they could potentially be if they righted the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're, I, I'm trying to focus on talking about succeeding financially, um, but some of the decisions you make. Being in fear, living in fear, can actually lead to a wrong decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, like, for example, uh, getting into to debt. Uh, those are very bad decisions, mm-hmm. right? But your your fear of not getting that nice car or not uh, impressing your friends, right. or or having a, a nice house, um, those things start to be like destroy uh, or become limitations in, in your mind, right? Right. right. Uh, you got you got to feed that mind every day. Um, I think we opened up the podcast about talking about negativity. Um, everything is from news media sells mm-hmm. by showing negative stuff. Right. right? Um, reading books became a lost art. And I, I had a huge fear of, of going back to reading books. But in the last probably 12 months, I've left, I've read three books and my life has changed uh, in such a profound way that um, maybe because I'm exercising my brain even, even more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the financial education, when we, when we fear getting this education because, hey, yeah, you know what, Andrew, hey, maybe we don't have debt and maybe our financial situation is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fear of learning new things, maybe learning things that can actually like fill in gaps to our financial plan. Right. Um, all right. So uh, for me, we got to change our beliefs. We got to get out of that fear focus. Um, beliefs about personal finance, you will change your actions when you let go of that fear, right? right? And when you change those actions, uh, those results, those outcomes will change your life. And, and for me, I like to change people's lives financially. No, nah, that's, that's incredible. And just for the people listening, you know, if you're just tuning in, please take heed to what was just said. Fear is often the number one thing that's keeping people back, right? Fear of either succeeding or falling short of what they have envisioned for themselves. Uh, and things like that, and fear of other, you know, external forces, whether it be peers, family members, and so forth, right? Some people don't necessarily want to see you succeed because they feel you will change, but change is inevitable, you know? And so nothing that is organic as an organism stays constant. Like, it's got to be changing, right? We're forever changing, so why not change or allow yourself to grow? And and so just keep that in mind. Fear is definitely going to be something that keeps you back. Um, you know, and now I want to get your interpretation of what future planning means because I've heard different, you know, people use it in different ways and some people just look at it as though, okay, you're planning and maybe you have a will in place or a trust in place, but what does it mean coming from your, you know, um, field? Like, what does that mean when you have to tell someone about future planning? Okay. Um, excellent question. Uh, I think for most of us, um, we don't want to become a statistic, but we don't really think about it in that fashion, right? Um, hmm. When we talk about future planning, 
Um, if you're in a current financial struggle or a problem, um, those problems are all around us right now, right? They happen to our, our family. Maybe we learned our existing current financial problems through through how our parents taught us, yeah. right? But I think at the end of the day, everyone wants to have a, a comfortable retirement or get to retirement and, and have a certain amount of uh, financial flexibility. So I always talk about uh, how I word finances, about what's your goal and what's your dream uh, for your life, mm-hmm. right? We can, we can be strong in our faith. We can be strong in our family life. Um, but very few actually have that retirement plan, that future plan. That's right. Sorry to cut you off, but that's that's sure. a scary thought, though. When I think about it, like when you when you ask someone who's never had to think about that, mm-hmm. and you say, "What's your future plan or what's your retirement plan?" and if they've never seen themselves in that space, can you imagine what they're processing in the moment? I I, I used to be that person, right? <laughs> and and it's it's scary if you're living. Uh, in a financial crisis, or you know what, maybe even just going through a pandemic and t- and finances are tight, yeah, yeah. right? Um, I always li- I like to ask people uh, a general question when I do presentations in my office. I go, when do you want to retire? Mm. And hey, you, you'll get the the sixty five, sixty. Oh, I want to retire earlier. Some people say as a joke, oh, well, I wanted to retire yesterday, right? Right. And as as much information as, as that's out there, uh, as much information as we're flooded with like websites, um, bank sites, financial literacy isn't, um, it's a very murky situation, Yeah. right? So to kind of like just answer your question, like if you have a better financial plan for your future, mm. um, you have to start a new area uh, era of being proactive with it, right? Yeah, you have to have a plan. You've heard this saying before, we don't plan to fail, but we failed to plan. Um, but you, maybe for, for people that don't have children or don't plan to have children, uh, for us, we owe it to our children and our future generation to pass on some kind of wealth so they don't go through the problems yeah. that you're seeing today or have been seeing uh, in, in history, right? Yeah, yeah. So now, what does it mean to be retired? Excellent. Like, like, cause I'm thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. what does that actually look like? If, if someone says, yes, I'm retired, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's doing things daily or what their plan is to do things daily uh, on their own terms. Mm. Right. Um, some people say, well, I, I love my job. Okay. I get it. And and my income is actually what I do is easy. So it's not like working. So that to them, uh, their mentality is a retirement mentality because what they're doing is um, fairly easy and they're, and they're getting paid for it. But how much would it cost you uh, or how much money would you need to have today to no longer work at your, at your profession or your employment, mm. right? If you say, well, Andrew, I only need, if I don't have a mortgage, I don't have any debts and all my kids are in school, how much would you need to, to survive um, without working? And for some people, it's, a, it's gonna be a different number for everyone. Some right. people like to live a little bit more lavishly or have a more um, lavish retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have one client that only needs 40 to 50,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? So, I don't know, Derek, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. So, for the next 39 years, that'll take you to 80. If you had 100,000 every year, so that's 3.9 million, would you, could you retire today if I gave you 3.9 million? Mm. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Right? That would give you your 100,000 a year, and that's not even without investing any of that 3.9 million. Yeah. So, that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah. Um, 
it's not always about the money, but money is going to be one factor in our retirement. One sure. of the biggest factors, actually, right? Sure, sure. And I, I like I like the way you kind of painted that because I think it helped me out even because a lot of people think that retirement means you're you know sitting on a beach not doing anything. <laughs> Mind you, it, it could be that if that's what you want to do. But as human beings, yeah. we are people that need to be pr- productive. Right, we yeah. need, we need to be moving. We can't be stagnant because the minute you stop moving and living, mm-hmm. you start to decay. Exactly. You know, so I I don't think there's anything wrong with someone saying they're going to retire and they do retire, but they still decide to go and pick up a part time job just to keep themselves yeah. active. active. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. So just keep that in mind, people. That that you know, retirement doesn't necessarily mean what you might see in the movies. Right. You can still go out and do things that, you know, fulfill your your spirit, whether it's volunteering or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. So make sure you're still active. That's the point. So retirement can look and should look different for everybody else. Um, Now. So let's assume that I'm, 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 you know, new. I'm learning about this, this money or finance stuff. And do I need a specific amount of money in order to, to plan my future or how does that how does that work? Okay. Um, when I when I meet with clients or people that want to get a little bit more information on on putting them in the, in the right path or starting them on the right path, mm-hmm. uh, we always go through their for their current situation first. But if you're in a situation where we haven't or our savings are very small, um, you've heard the saying, "Pay yourself first. Right. Right. Uh, five, ten, fifteen percent, depending on maybe some some of you are already doing that already. Mm-hmm. But where is that money going? So. Um, you need to direct that money into tax advantaged vehicles, um, vehicles that, that get some decent rate of return. Um, but you have to have a plan to, to what that money is for. So if we're talking, I know we were just talking about retirement, um, someone that our age, cause I'm pretty close to your age. We might, if we have a financial shortfall for the retirement goal or the for retirement financial goal we have, can we start saving more today? Right. Right. And yes, we still have young kids and yes, we still have a mortgage and a car payment. Um, so this is where it starts to get overwhelming and, and then they don't see uh, it happening. And here comes the fear back into mm. the plan. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, I sit down with, with clients first and foremost and, and get their current situation. And from there, I, I kind of put a, a blueprint on what they can do and what their options are. Yeah. Um, but each person, each client, each family is going to be different. Um, that's why I love about this business. You, you have that that um, give them the sense of the, it, it's customized, but it's individual to their specific need. Yeah, and I think um, just just so everybody's on the same page here, Andrew used the word vehicle. Some some of you might understand that to be products, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's different products. Some people might say packages. Uh, when he says move, put your money into a vehicle, that's what he's talking about. It could be a product that a company offers such as mutual funds or something, right? That That's going to help mm-hmm. you generate some some income. So just keep that in mind, um, just so you don't get lost during this conversation when he uses that term. Now, the other thing I'm thinking about when you're talking about when you first meet people, how do, are people honest with themselves? Because I think that's the first thing they need to be, right? Because I, I find that even when I have candid conversations with people, they, they tend to not want to talk about their financial situation as if pride is keeping them from sharing that, even though it could be a, a great opportunity for them to actually learn something new, whether about themselves or just new in general. Like you find that people are not honest with their numbers and later on 
they, they tend to want to come back and change their plan because they weren't forthcoming in the beginning? Uh, I've, I've come across it uh, more often than not. Um, <laughs> hey, if we don't know each other and I'm just maybe referred to you or we strike up a conversation um, from through as an acquaintance or something, right. uh, I get it when people don't want to be um, forthcoming or upfront with their, their, their financial situation at the moment. And I'll be honest, the people I come across, um, most are in a satisfactory, if I can word it that way, mm -hmm. uh, financial situation. Okay. And again, I just present, present to them um, solutions or, or, or techniques or whatever to, to say, hey, you know what, take a look at this or take a look at that. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, the other part is, yes, people don't want to admit how much debt they're in, right. um, how much they don't have saved for their kids' education, mm -hmm. uh, how much they think they need for retirement or how long it's going to pay their mortgage off. Um, people don't want to be upfront because let's face it, we got comfortable, we get comfortable very easily, right? Yeah. Um, look what's happened in the last 12 months. People are staying home. Um, everything with technology has gone up. Um, the price of uh, well, inflation, I don't know if it's inflation or just people are, are smart and saying everyone's going to need this. So I'll create a product that costs even more now. Right. Uh, right. So um, absolutely be honest and up, up front. Um, hey, I told you I did that TV show. She dissected my stuff right down to the penny. Mm -hmm. And from there, uh, was able to at least get us started on, on, on a budget that, that was more realistic versus what we thought we were allowed to spend. Right. Now, just so people are on the same page again, um, you know, Andrew is one that's going to sit down and, and, you know, break down everything you need to understand your situation first and foremost before he presents you with anything else. Um, I think it's more... Um, into educating you about your current situation and then present you with possible solutions or options that are available to you that are pretty much tailored to your unique situation, right? And that's how it's supposed to be, I believe, is that they're supposed to find out what your needs are and the areas that you need support in and, you know, present you with solutions and things like that. Um, and I just want listeners to also keep in mind, if you don't have a vision or where you want to end up. We're talking about future planning here. If you don't have a vision, there's no way. You know, that means if you don't have a destination of where you want to end up and you're on this journey, there's no way you can ask for directions or help because no one has an idea, including yourself, of where you're trying to go, right? Just picture that. Like you're on the road and now you find yourself lost. You pull into, you know, a gas station and you say, hey, can you help me? And the person says, Sure. Where are you trying to go? And you say, I don't know. <laughs> right? like, I've heard it before. I've heard it before, right? brother. <laughs> you know, so it, it's very interesting. You need to have a vision. And if you don't, be, you know, be forthcoming and say, you know what? I don't have a vision because I never thought about that. No one's ever asked me these questions before. Right? And that may be a yeah. great place to start. You know? Now, Absolutely. Is there, is there a certain information that you need from clients um, to better serve them besides just their numbers? Um, I'm thinking, what about their risk tolerance and, and things like that if they've never been involved in anything to do with investments or anything of that nature? Uh, absolutely. Like, yeah, we can always get numbers like their income, their fixed expenses, their, their debts, liabilities, and all that. Um, but if there's wiggle room to invest, so like they're in a situation where debt um, isn't... Um, paramount is in a, in a huge number. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. There's no investment that you can do 
that a financial advisor or financial planner or financial professional can do for you if they're not asking the right questions. Right. Right. Uh, your risk tolerance. I think you hit that on, on the head there. Um, the time horizon. Mm. Right. Um, what's how, how quick do you need this money to grow? And for the younger people, the millennials, Generation Z, uh, they have time on their side, so they can inherently take on more risk. Um, people in their 40s, 50s, not so much because they don't have that time. They need that nest egg to kind of survive uh, a, a market downfall like we're kind of seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, in retirement years, you you have almost zero risk, right? right? Yeah. So um, I have clients in their 60s that are looking to invest, 50s. I have 18-year-olds. Um, you have to ask the right questions. And if you're just opening up a, an account with someone that's not asking these right questions, uh, you might come to see that either uh, you're putting your money where uh, it shouldn't be, or it's not in the right vehicle. Mm, nice, nice. So what I want to do is, I actually want to do a bit of role play, if you don't mind. Sounds I'll, good, but I'll be the I'll be the client. <clears throat> okay. And um, the idea behind this is just to see if we can get some people thinking, um, taking notes, uh, and just jotting down some of these ideas so that they can take them with them. Um, so I'm going to ask questions that that I kind of came across and I'm thinking people should ask uh, anyone that they're going to be in a a relationship with as far as an advisor. Right. Um, So you can let me know if I missed key ones and, or if, you know, some of these you wouldn't necessarily advise on people asking, but, but you you can share, you know, with me, your, your professional um, perspective on it. So the the first question is, are you, fiduciary 100% of the time or do you always put your client's interests before them? Uh, before your own, uh, sorry. Uh, okay, that's a good question. Uh, as get, as the license uh, the license that I obtain uh, doing the position that I do, uh, you do have a fiduciary duty to always uh, keep your, your client's best interest uh, in mind. Um, there's no ands, ifs, or buts, buts about that. Um, and I think that's how you kind of establish credibility in, in, in the financial services industry. Yeah. Um, let's face it, uh, people are scared of some of the solutions out there. We talked about fear earlier. Yes. Uh, and if the person you're not talking to um, uh, has, a, has a fiduciary uh, mindset, mm-hmm. um, you can be led down the wrong path uh, right. through no fault of your own, just getting misinformation. Got it. Got it. Right. I, I always use uh, for me, one of my personal beliefs, my my, my business beliefs is it's always uh, the mission before commission. Uh, right. And that. if you if you go to banks or you go to independent brokers, uh, do they have your best interests in mind? Are they pitching you something because they make more commission on it? And uh, I've learned and I've seen way too much that when you don't have the client's interest in mind, first and foremost, uh, the client can turn simply turn around and say, "Hey, you know what? Whatever you gave me, it's not working." Right. Because because this uh, financial guy came and talked to me and, and explained to me this and that, uh, and now here you here you here I am. If I didn't do my job properly, now potentially uh, having someone cancel a solution on me, and in in most cases within a two year period, uh, most advisors have to give their commissions back. Right. Um, there, there's a there's a term out there called uh, persistency. And if you're higher persistency, that means the, the, the less people are canceling product on you. Mm. And I take that very likely. I think my persistency uh, since I started six years ago is like 95 percent. 
Um, the industry standard, and we talk about this is just life insurance number. Uh, the industry standard is closer to uh, in the, the high 70s. Wow. Right. So, again, get that information, ask all the questions. Um, but yes, uh, having this license, you, you have a responsibility to be fiduciary at all the time. Awesome. Um, wow. I didn't right? realize that. I just learned something new about that term. That's, that's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. Okay. My next question is. <clears throat> Um, what type of clients do you specialize in working with and how many clients do you have? Okay. Um, we talked about mission before commission. Uh, obviously, having higher net worth clients uh, will give me a higher net worth result. Mm-hmm. Um, but my ideal clients, my, my, my dream customers are, are people like you and me, Derek, right? right. Um, they, they need or they want this financial education uh, they don't know where to get it, but they also want, know that when they do get it, they, they don't want the, uh, um, the the verbal diarrhea, right? right? They just want it simple, That's right? right. Uh, perhaps focus on basic fundamentals about how, do you, how money works, mm-hmm. um, right? Getting uh, information on, on, on how life insurance works, because uh, although life insurance is not a fun topic, um, there is a need in, in most cases, right? Yeah. Um, if, if there's those people that may be in debt, I think uh, I use myself as an example. Um, you need a plan to put together. Who's going to put that plan together for you uh, to, so we can attack paying down that debt. Right. 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 Um, other clients like people that want to create an emergency fund for those rainy days, those unexpected costs that are out there. Uh, and of course, people that want to invest, but don't know where to begin. Right. Right. Uh, the best I can hope for is, is to get their attention uh, their interest into their their own financial matters, mm-hmm. um, so they can get those those very basic concepts of of how money works. Right. So, again, I'm the client. We're just role playing here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just asking Andrew questions that you might want to ask someone who has a financial license and is providing you services. So, the third question for you, Andrew, is: What is my total cost to work with you, and how are you compensated? And where can I see this in writing? Or is it <clears throat> available somewhere for me to look at? Yeah, it's funny you asked that question because I think I read an article uh, recently that um, financial advisors or financial planners don't always disclose their their fees. And uh, in all my paperwork and all the applications that we do, um, everything is um, provided upfront so that you can, you, you can make the decision and, hey, perhaps do a comparison to... Um, what the bank might be able to offer, but uh, I get paid strictly on commission. Um, I, I hopefully I'll get a chance to kind of share what kind of products and services I, I can offer down uh, as a whole. Yeah. Um, but I use only the top financial institutions in Canada. Uh, so I don't use like XYZ insurance and ABC investments. Everything mm-hmm. uh, is name brand uh, in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the product or the solution I provide for a family, I get based uh Paid commission based on um, what that product provider is willing to pay me for uh, for that solution. Um, so insurance products pay a little bit. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, straight up, uh, a lot higher. That's mm-hmm. why there's a little bit of a stigma with uh, insurance, a life insurance agents out there. But yeah. again, uh, you got to get the information first and foremost. Right. Uh, with investments, we uh, I fully disclose uh, management expense ratios or the the fees inherent uh, to doing investments uh, through me. Um, so that you can make the comparison and you get all the information so that it's not, hey, you didn't share this with me down uh, two weeks later, or how come you didn't tell me about this? Right. Uh, and, and to kind of um, safeguard myself, all the forms that I need for uh, my files 
due to the, the highly regulated industry that this is, mm-hmm. uh, all have those details in there signed by the client. Right. Um, so that, hey, there's peace of mind on, on, on both ends. That's it. Right. Not just not just just because I need my paperwork done. No, I need you to understand, hey, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, um, this is how it is. And if you have questions or concerns about it, let's talk about it before the signing of anything. Perfect. Awesome. So my next question then is what experience do you have in tax planning, retirement income, insurance optimization and um, even charitable giving? Okay, another. Oh, that's a challenging question, man. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be upfront. I'm not a tax professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience, however, my experience in tax planning. Um, I think you mentioned retirement income, insurance optimization. Not many people talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, charitable giving, right? Um, before I even go with that, one reason I do this is obviously I make more income, mm-hmm. uh, but we can give more back. Uh, you talked about it, I think, early on in this podcast. Can we give back with the, the successes that we've had yeah. in our life, right? So yeah. um, people have to know that taxation and inflation are the killers of our wealth, yeah. right? That money you make, the first thing that you see on your pay stub is tax, That's right? right? Uh, so if I can provide some clarity on how items are taxed, um, like stuff like your pension income, um, the taxation of, on RSPs, RDSPs, uh, tax-free savings account, there is no tax implication, but there can be, right? Um, mm. Saving for our kids, so RESPs, um, first-time home buyers. Look at that. Look at the housing market right now. Uh, are people pulling out RSPs to towards first-time home buyer? Do they know how much they can pull out? Um, and of course, uh, accelerate charitable donations. People don't know that, even, although we are giving back, um, all these things can uh, I can help and assist to how best uh, determine how to mitigate taxes or maximize those tax deductions. Um, especially for people that are like perhaps self-employed, right? Right. Uh, if you're if you're learning this stuff and, and you're getting more information on this stuff, uh, this can in turn absolutely uh, increase your retirement income. Um, perhaps equip them with a, a tax advantage vehicle like cash value inside life insurance, which many people don't like to talk about. But hey, I can only provide information. Right. Uh, or even you know what, how to receive donation credits on their personal tax return, mm-hmm. right? Again, I'm not a tax professional. I'm not a, uh, an accountant, but um, there are things uh, within my realm that I can discuss so that you can go to your accountant or your tax professional and say, hey, this is what I was recommended. Do you agree? Disagree? Show me more. Wow. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> now, folks, if you're just tuning in, I just want to give you a heads up that uh, at the end of this show, I'm definitely going to give um, some content um, that you can actually get um, from the, the, the link from the podcast itself. If you log into uh, Podbean, you'll be able to get a more descriptive, um, you know, and some links to what Andrew's kind of talking about. And hopefully he'll be able to give me some links that I can share with you guys through the description of the show. But also I'm going to make sure we get his contact that we can share so that, you know, folks can reach out and get more specific information regarding, you know, areas that they might be interested in learning more about. Um, that's the whole point of doing these shows. Okay, folks, it's just to get you guys all the content and information that you you know, you need to get where you need to be. Um, next question for you, Andrew, is what, I mean, you mentioned the services that you kind of provide. And um, as a client, where do you keep my money and how can I see it? Is it accessible for me to be able to log in and check on it and things like that? Or, Of course. Are we, are we strictly talking investments at this point? 
Um, or for this question or in yeah, general? In general, like if, 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 if I'm a client that maybe I might have insurance with you and investments mm-hmm. with you, what, what would that look like? How do I get access to that information? Okay. Um, as I mentioned in a previous question, I only deal with the, the top financial companies uh, in Canada. Uh, all of them have, have gone the way of technology. Um, so you can access it once you become a client and whoever the product provider is, they will provide you online access uh, to your accounts, whether it's insurance, whether it's investments, uh, so that you can monitor it yourself. Um, obviously, they, they provide uh, yearly or quarterly statements um, for those that aren't technologically uh, uh, into their to their devices yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are privy to the information 24-7, and um, it shows you almost uh, up-to-date numbers. I think they, the numbers usually get updated uh, daily. Uh, as to how your investments are performing and uh, hey, any investments inside your insurance or any changes to your insurance that, um, or not changes, but updates uh, to those policies. Yeah. Awesome. And so I'll be able to, um, let's say some things have changed with one of my policies, for example, mm-hmm. beneficiaries that I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something I can just easily call you and say, hey, uh, this is what I want to change in my policy and we take care of it from that standpoint or do I have to go online and and do something on my own? Um, So the example you're using there of changing beneficiary does require a a signature. Right. Um, My clients know as as long as they don't uh, call me after 1 a.m. or before 5 (laughs) a.m. I'm I'm very easily um, accessible. Uh, But but, uh, in regards to changes like beneficiary or amounts or all all these things, uh, there are very simple easy to use forms that I fully explain um, to the client that can get those changes done. Uh, If it's something like change of address, it's a simple email I can send out. Um, But yes, for, for, I actually encourage my clients, although they can do it on their own um, to always ask me first, just to see if, um, if there's something that makes it easier for them, uh, for me to do for them, or uh, depending on the complicated it might be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. And then finally, my last interview question for you as, a, um, you know, the advisor I might go with is what is your investment philosophy and how do you manage investments? Okay. Um, if you talk to, well, I think even in the economy or the, the, the society we're living now, everyone is talking investments because they're, they're hearing about the advantages of the stock market and uh, how they don't want to pay fees on mutual funds and all these things. Um, my investment philosophy is, is, is I, I use an, an eight-step principle process, but um, it, it can be, again, custom-tailored to the client. So uh, the first one talks about, um, I always talk about the strategy, whatever we develop um, has to have or include your broader life goals and unique circumstances, right? This is when you talk about your financial planning or investments, this is not a one-size-fits-all thing. So I always use individualized um, financial plans to summarize uh, your unique needs and, again, offer solutions that are, are unique or tailored to you, right? right. Um, we also talk about asset allocate, allocation, and I know I'm probably using words that some people might not have heard before, um, but what's the average um, total lifetime return that you want from your investments? Right. Uh, the, the the decisions that we make on um, the asset mix and again, terms that we we're going to use when we sit down with the client and, and how people react to market dynamics. Right. Right. Um, 
based on my understanding of your situation, I can only recommend and document um, a strategy for that so that um, one, it, it suits you, but also two, uh, we can monitor and adjust it uh, so that it can, remains suitable for uh, what, your, what your goal is, right? Um, the third one I talk about is, can you invest and still sleep at night, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes, we can hold long-term stuff um, with a good margin of safety, right? Um, my strategy is, is, is actually very disciplined, very conservative, um, very research intensive, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I actually have asked, one reason I love doing what I do is because I can uh, consistently provide um, investment vehicles that clients um, should be able to get out of bank but are not, uh-huh. right? Um, still safeguarding their money, uh, but peace of mind for, for my, my clients is, is very important to me. All right. Yeah. Uh, number four is, is discipline. Are we disciplined to get into investing? Right. Are we making like maybe you've invested in the past and you've made a hasty decision to do something in a very short term uh, market with high volatility? Um, is that is that hindering your your financial goals? Right. right. So my responsibility is obviously to help you stay on course, um, having a well-defined investment plan. Um based on time-tested winning investment strategies, right? Uh, we, we don't want to make those big mistakes. Can there be mistakes being made? Absolutely. Um, people don't know, if people don't know, financial advisors do get paid. Uh, those are called management fees. Uh, but if we lose money, if you're losing money, we're losing money as well, right? right. right. Um, number five, and I'll try to make it uh, a little more uh, streamlined here. Um, there's a term out there that says never bet the farm. Have you ever heard of that? No. Right. Don't bet all your uh, all your eggs because you got a tip. Um, Managing your money um, for your financial future is like is like owning your own personal pension. Right. So for people that don't have pensions out there, your RSPs or whatever your retirement savings are at, um, I can work with you to manage that risk so that we can get consistent long term performance. Right. Yeah. Don't put all your in other terms. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh. Right. Um, but at the same time, principle number six I use is, is keep it simple, right? Mm. Um, there's a ton of investment products out there. Um, look at the look at what I don't know how many people you've talked to lately, Derek, but look how many people are looking into getting into the stock market. Oh, don't right? tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I, I make sure my my clients have a full understanding of, of like a, a, a small list of long term performers um, in the market, but uh, I deal with a very concentrated list. That's actually a quite a big list uh, where I can track all these uh, investment funds in detail, uh, be proactive in regards to when ch- changes need to be made. Right. Uh, so again, the customer is, is comfortable first and foremost. Um, the next one uh, you've heard uh, investing is not speculating. A lot of people try to time what they do in the market. And again, not so much for the novice investors, but uh, for the people that have been investing for a while. Um, successful people do not rely on lucky guesses, right? Right. Um, they have to understand that wealth is best created by owning a portfolio of uh, high quality uh, investments, but also something that's reasonably valued so that uh, it gives you the time for that valuation to grow. Uh, and then the last one I think I've mentioned um, somewhere in my talk or somewhere during this podcast mm-hmm. is pay yourself first, Yeah. right? Uh, a penny saved is more than a penny earned, right? Uh, it's not how much you you keep. Sorry, it's not how much you make, but it's how much you keep. That's right. And people, like we started off with debt, people that have debt aren't paying themselves first. 
Um, right. So uh, when we talk about investment products and strategies, make sure you understand that they're not created equal. Um, they're not all tax efficient. Right. Um, I mentioned tax is one of the killers of our wealth. Um, when I when I show people investments or retirement strategies, um, saving tax is a major consideration when I propose these solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but given this, uh, I'm primarily deal with like mutual funds or what they call segregated funds. Yes. Um, but I use registered investments like RSPs, TFSAs, Lira, RIF. I even uh, like pension rollovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can do a non-registered investment as well. Yeah. Um, but again, I can give you a myriad of, of, of funds to fit your strategy, um, funds that banks don't offer or can't offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, something that gives you a history uh, of providing safer and still give you significant returns. Wow. Thank you. That's, that's more than I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, expected, but I'm, I'm glad you were able to give me all of that because I think, I think this is going to pay off for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. like I have a lot of conversations with different people about multiple products and I say to them, listen, I'm no expert. I only can tell you what I've read and what I understand. Um, but ultimately you need to connect with somebody that I know. And you usually, you know, are the person that I kind of, uh, point to because I'm comfortable with you. Right. I also know okay. what you stand for and what you represent. And so I'm comfortable sending somebody that is close to me to say, Hey, you need to speak to Andrew because he's going to give you all the information, sometimes more than you, you, you requested, just like you just did just now. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that's the kind of person you are. So I like to, you know, get them to connect with you and, um, and also, I, I also try and let people know, don't waste his time because he has other people to take care of as well. Like, you got to know that this is an investment in yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so he's taking the time to invest in you as well. So respect and appreciate that time. That just means be prepared when you call him. You know, don't don't call him without anything in mind and say, well, I don't know. Derek told me to call you. No, be prepared. Have something in mind that you want to learn about or know about. So he can better, you know, present you with the right information. Um, otherwise, you're going to go in there. You're going to be, you know, overwhelmed with the information you're going to get. And it's not going to be what you're looking for. And you're going to say, well, no, that's not for me. Right. Yes. So just just keep that in mind, people. If you're going to reach out to an advisor, be prepared. Um, it helps them to help you better. OK, absolutely. Um, hey, I'm not here to waste anyone's time. Um being prepared is one. The, the preliminary sit down that I have with my clients is very generic, um, half hour, 40 minutes. So I, I, I never consider that uh, a waste of anyone's time. Uh, but how do you proceed forward? Right. Right. And right. if you make that decision based on the information I give you, yeah, I've, I'm all about efficiency. Uh, you know that, you know that, Derek. So, um, but yes, hey, if I don't like to waste people's time, and this is why, um, hey, I will give my time freely so that. Uh, they're comfortable with whatever decisions they they make. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a break here. And um, now there's a segment which I have in the show that is called Thinking Out Loud. It's a random question I'm going to ask you, and I want your immediate response Um, off the top. (laughs) It has nothing to do with your industry or any of that. So (laughs) you ready? I'm ready. All right. So Thinking Out Loud, here's the question for you. Um, would you rather lose your sight or your memories? Uh, I've actually thought about that 
um, because I had very poor eyesight as, as a kid, uh, but I'd, ra- I'd probably rather lose my sight. Um, you have a support system that, that loves you and cares for you. They'll, they'll, they'll help you uh, with that disability that you're, you're experiencing, but mm-hmm. you can never get back your memories. Ah. And I like that. I like that because I think when people, you know, think about this question, they might be thinking about memories and associate memories solely with what they've seen. Yes. Not necessarily what they've experienced or felt. Or felt, yes. You know, exactly. and so I'm, I'm glad you went with that one because I think that'll give people some thought, something to think about um, if they, as they ponder on that question. Um, yeah, for myself, when I when I thought about that, I said, you know what, I think I'd rather lose the sight. Um, yeah. You know, because I still, I can enjoy the people and the company, the stories that I hear and the emotions that I feel. Uh, as opposed to if I lost the memories, I couldn't remember anything, even though I'm seeing people or seeing things mm-hmm. I won't remember it the next day then what's the point of it exactly you know so awesome interesting question <laughs> Put, keep it at me on my feet <laughs> on my toes <laughs> now okay, okay okay so because i knew i was going to be talking to you i have another one for you all right right so this one's more in line with your industry sort of but here it goes would you rather be poor but everyone thinks that you're rich or be rich, but everyone thinks you're poor. This is an easy one. That's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, rich is, is subjective, but I'd rather be rich and everyone think I'm poor. Right. I, I think if you see the the most influential, wealthy people in the world, um, they don't look rich. Right. Right. The the the, the real ones, like yes. a Bill Gates yeah. or a Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, like Warren Buffett likes to wear his suits. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but they, I think someone did a study. They're not. They're not like. Um, name brand suits they're yeah. like calvin klein or something like it's not not even uh yeah it's not even um like a name brand so um yes being rich first and foremost will give you more opportunity to do things but um you don't have to look rich exactly. to, to be rich that's right it. that's it that's it yeah and it's funny i watched a, a documentary on warren and uh it, it's it's amazing he does the same routine every morning mm-hmm. and it's crazy because he said his wife is the one that actually puts um, a certain amount on his table, like on his dresser or somewhere, and it's basically like a dollar fifty, a dollar eighty, and a dollar seventy-five or something. And based on the amount that she puts, he knows what his breakfast is going to be, and he goes to McDonald's and he gets the same thing every morning before he goes yeah. to his office. Yeah, he's created a, a habit that's worked for him that's that's made him extremely successful. Um, Habits are very hard to create. I couldn't believe and, it. Uh, right? If you can create those habits and they work for you and they get you to that goal, um, the sky's the limit, man. You know what I mean? And and it's, it's just incredible just to see that one. I was just I was amazed because he he says they don't he doesn't want to spend more than two dollars on his breakfast, and that was yeah. his motto, and that was just it. So whatever it is that she puts out, he knows exactly what he's going to get for breakfast, and that's it. Yes, sir. That's incredible, but. Are you looking for the finishing touch to wash day, a special occasion, or just a play date? Graham Bear has you covered. We offer a wide selection of accessories. You will love our plant-based hair clips and fabric bows, bow ties for daddy and me, and our best-selling turban headbands, which are perfect for your mommy and me looks. We're a Canadian-based handmade shop 
Our products are made to order with love, care, and attention to details. We offer fast, local, and international shipping. Our accessories are made for making memories in. Visit us at grahambear.ca for all of your family accessory needs. Follow us on Instagram at grahambear to see our products in action, know about promos, and contests. Be sure to use promo code DAPS10, that's D-A-P-S-10, for 10% off your next purchase. A lot of people um, that have come to, you know, meet and, and converse with don't understand how money works or the relationship they should have with money. Um, I want to get your opinion on how sh- how should people be interacting with money or, you know, managing money? How should they be responding to money and reacting to money? Okay. Um, responding and reacting to money, whether you're making more or, or content with what you're making now. Uh, I've shared a few um, sayings that uh, are, are, are quite well known, right? Paying yourself first, right? Even with a debt situation on the loom, uh, can you make a payment to your financial future? Right. Uh, a lot of people will say, use it, use it. At, uh, think of it as like paying, uh, paying a bill, like you're, you're that bill. Right. And whether it's 5% of your income, 10% of your income, Hey, you know what? Maybe you're just starting out one or 2%, uh, but you got to pay yourself. You got to pay yourself first. Um, I'm trying to kind of re- re- uh, review what I've said in the past already. Um, when you make more, uh, don't spend more. Right. Right. Um, in the industry that we're in, you can make a, a lot of money. Uh, think of your employment where you work. Uh, if you're if you're due up for a raise or you have incremental raises uh, through some kind of a yearly uh, progression, uh, if you're living on that salary in the first year of that progression, you can live on that same income in the next five years. Yes, inflation will take up a little bit of that money, but um, imagine putting that excess to 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 strictly to investment. Right? How will that look in a bigger picture um, for your retirement? Yeah. Um, again, how to beat tax, but put yourself, put your money in, uh, in, a, in a vehicle that uh, there's only three three vehicles really. There's there's tax now, so a savings account, stock market, mutual funds. They get taxed right away. Um, tax deferred, so RSPs, RESPs. Um, and then obviously the tax advantage stuff, tax-free savings account, which is a very popular these days. Um, I have a lot of friends that trade in the stock market with TFSAs, um, but even there, I warn them there is a tax, um, there is a taxation problem if you do the wrong things with that account. So again, it's a, it's about getting the information. Um, yes, I'll, I'll talk about life insurance as a tax advantage vehicle, but again, what's your situation? Um, what are you comfortable with doing, and, and what what Who's giving the information so that you can make that that decision? Awesome. Now, I really wanted you to dive in on these two products for me, if you don't mind. Um, and that is an RSP as well as RESP, because I'm hearing, you know, more people ask questions about that. And I think that'd be helpful for them um, listening to this show, because I want I want you to talk about what is an RSP, Um and how is it beneficial Okay. to someone? Um, so, right, sorry. so I'll give you more information just so it, it, you can kind of make it more specific, I guess. So for someone between the ages of, let's say, 20 and 35, 
Okay. And they don't have an RSP at all, um, but they have um, maybe a young child. Okay. How is an RSP beneficial? And then after we finish that, we'll move on to the RESP, if you don't mind. No worries. Uh, I like that. I like that age group that you mentioned in regards to RSPs. Um, first and foremost, people have to understand what an RSP is. So, Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Um, it's actually one of the more important tax planning strategies out there, especially for those that don't have a employer pension or a pension at their workplace. Right. Um, obviously, it provides a, a tax deduction uh, when you purchase it, um, but also allows that money to grow tax-free until until you want to use it. So, retirement, for example. Right. Um, so essentially, it's allowing you, the buyer of this RSP, to defer payment of income tax uh, until retirement. Right. So you'll that, probably be in a, sorry, be in a lower so, tax bracket. So. so. So what you're saying is, I can invest in an RSP, put money away through an RSP. Mm-hmm. I don't pay taxes on it right now, but mm-hmm. when I'm retired and I'm no longer working and I don't have a steady stream of income, this becomes mm-hmm. my income, and then I'll pay my tax. Yes. Okay, got it. So I, I, I like how you emphasize that because if people are getting the hidden message behind what Derek was saying, uh, you're buying an RSP usually out with after-tax dollars. And when it's time to reap the rewards and spend or get access to the RSP, it still gets subjected to tax. That's right. So some people don't know that. Um, yes, you should be in a lower tax bracket come time when it's time to um, uh, spend this RSP. Um, but think of it. Um, as, as this, how much tax, what's your income going to be uh, the year you withdraw this, this, this RSP? And if you're, make, if you're in that tax bracket or borderline tax bracket where you now bumped into the next one, um, maybe withdrawing that RSP isn't uh, a good thing to do at that point in time. Right. Right. I think uh, the maximum contribution limit for most people uh, is, is in around 26000 I think it's gone up a little bit, but again, that's not for, for everyone. Um, but when you talk about how how can it be beneficial for someone in that age group, what did you say, 20 to 35? Yeah. Right? Um, that's usually the ages where people say, well, I don't even care what an RSP is, or they can use that RSP for, for example, a first-time homebuyer, uh, use that money towards first-time homebuyer down payment on a uh, on their first home. Right? There is a limitation to that. It's a maximum of $35,000. Um, but you can withdraw that money tax-free, put it towards the down payment of your home, uh, I don't know how much thirty-five thousand will be. What percentage that is for a for a million-dollar home? But I know it's not it's three, three, three point five percent maybe. Yeah. And um, that's not enough for a down payment. Um, but it gives you some tax relief um, because you will then at that point have fifteen one five years to pay that amount back. And if you have a um, I'm, again, I'm not an accountant. Uh, if you have a very uh, studious accountant, they, they can show you ways to pay that down either quicker or uh, lessen the uh, the burden, but um, yeah, first time home buyer would be the the biggest benefit to to starting an RSP for for a client of that age. Um, but again, uh, what's the growth that they're getting? Don't just open up an RSP because you wanted to use it for first time home buyer, uh, and you're getting 005 percent growth on that RSP. You're 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 actually losing money at that point. Now, okay, so. Mind you, I have no idea what an RSP is, and I, now I mm-hmm. want to know because you, you just said. I got to pay it back within 15 years. Why do I have to pay it back if it's my own money? Hey, good question. Um, because of the Canada Revenue Agency, um, uh, I'm not going to say they want our money, <coughs> but our RSPs, RSPs are for retirement, registered retirement 
savings plan. They want that money spent down the road. Um, again, I'm not sure what you can, you can do a lot of studies of what they do with that money while they hold it in, in these RSPs. However, um, you're borrowing it before retirement for, uh, you can actually borrow RSPs for more than just first time home buyer. Uh, you can actually borrow, borrow it for what they call a lifelong learning program. So if you're going back to school and don't have funds to pay for your education, you can actually use your RSPs to fund your education tax free as well, or tax deferred as well. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So again, um, you're borrowing it pre-retirement. You're not of age of retirement to start using that money. Um, so they would like it replenished because you did get a, a tax deduction on that money when you put it in there. Right. So if you don't put it in, uh, they'd like that tax deduction that it, it allotted you to should technically be paid back if you don't plan on paying this back. Okay. And so what happens if I don't pay back within the 15? They just start to, are they going to go directly to my paycheck and take it? Uh, they, they don't garnish your funds, but, uh, you'll get a nice bill. Um, <laughs> You'll get a nice bill, or it will limit how much contribution you can put in in the subsequent years. Got it. Got it. Okay. No, right. just, There's I, always a way. Yeah, because I just want to make sure, because I know these are questions that somebody might be thinking, so I'm trying to make sure I, I throw them out there as they come to me. But yeah, awesome. Okay. Any more we need to know about RSPs before we go to our ESPs? Uh, just understand it's tax deferred. Um, you don't, uh, if you're on a very low income bracket, and I'll give you a, a quick example. If you want to withdraw $5,000 from it, uh, it gets taxed 10% right away. Oh, and wow. the more you take out, the more it gets taxed. So again, uh, so people with pensions aren't huge fans of it, but I'm not saying don't never do an RSP, but what's the RSP uh, in regards to your overall goal? Right. Can it be part of a goal? Absolutely. But what's that? What's it going to be allotted to? Okay. So I want to throw a wrench in this scenario because let's say um, I'm 45 and I do have some money or I'm 55 and I do have some money. And what's the max contribution per year to my RSPs? Okay. So it's still based on income. Okay. Um, I, I apologize. I, I, I didn't know. Well, I'd say didn't know. Um, but the max contribution in 2017 was 26,000. Okay. Right. Um, so for, for this year, I'm going to, it's, uh, so it hasn't changed much. 27,230, right? So that's a thousand two thirty in, in four years. So, um, again, you can contribute more to that, but it, you don't, you lose any tax deduction benefit at any amount about that. Right. So, so now if I maxed out my contribution for that year, right. For this mm -hmm. year, let's say. And I, you know, put in that whole 20, 20 plus thousand. Yeah. How does that benefit me? Okay. So it reduces your, your taxable income because uh, you've now put it right. Uh, it allows you to that tax uh, deduction means. And like, I'm again, I'm not a tax professional, right. but uh, typically you would see a, um, without barring any other expenses or um, things when you submit your, your income tax. Uh, you'd probably get a, a, a quite healthy, um, what they call return. Yeah, RSP return. Okay. And for people, I always warn them, don't put in money in RSP to get a, a refund and then spend that refund like cash. Right. That should be reinvested into another vehicle, right. whether it's another RSP or a TFSA or stock market or, yeah, don't spend the money because you've kind of just Feed destroyed exactly yeah. what you, you were trying not to do by putting all that money into an RSP. Right, right. Awesome. Okay. I appreciate that. 
Now I want to move on to the RESP. Okay. This is a big one because you got a lot of young families and they mm-hmm. get, they get you know, rushed. I know people going through it right now. Yeah. They, they've been approached by like six different people about RESPs. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. It depends on your situation, <laughs> but you need to speak to somebody. Yes. <laughs> and you got to speak to somebody who's not just trying to get a commission. Um, yes. You know, so just get educated about it. But what can you tell us about RESPs? All right. Um, all the facts that you talked about in, in your intro to this, uh, absolutely true. That people have to get the information. Um, but most people will know uh, RESPs are for to save, is a vehicle to save money for your child's education, right? Registered, it's a registered investment, registered education savings plan, right? Uh, the contributions to these RESPs are, are not tax deductible, like an RRSP, um, but the income earned on the funds is not subject to tax. Again, so you're kind of hearing me talk about tax a lot because, again, tax is what's going to decrease uh, the amount of buying power of your money, include, along with inflation. Right. Right. Um, however, the, the 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 attractiveness of our ESPs is the government will provide grants um, to to equal about 20 percent of your total contribution. So um, there is a limit of 500 per year maximum. Uh, there's two um, uh, there's two grants. One's called the Canada Learning Bond. And the other one's called the Canadian Education Savings Grant, uh, but it's up to a 500 maximum per year, uh, up to 7,200 per child. Right. So uh, uh, a lot of parents or young parents that I see that want to do RESPs, they say, "Well, here I, I hear you get $7,200 free." Absolutely, but you have to maximize your contributions. Right. And when people realize how much they have to contribute, which is uh, in and around 44,000. That equates to just over $200 a month for 17 years, right? Um, So $200 a month, why are people having less kids? Because of maybe a financial strain. $200 a month these days is is, is a big, is a significant part of people's budget, Yeah. right? But when you talk RESPs and I want all the grants, well, you have to put in two, Mr. and Mrs. Parent, you have to put in 200 something dollars a month. And there's now all of a sudden... Yeah. The conversation changes. Yeah. Well, what if I only put a hundred? Well, then you would only get half, half the grants, perhaps. Right. So people have to understand um, RESPs, regardless of the company you go with, whether it's at a bank or one of these independent um, RESP providers. I can do RESPs, for example. Um, they all have minor difference features inside their their product or RESP product, um, but at the end of the day, uh, they're fairly similar. Uh, you, yes, I've heard horror stories where uh, an RESP company wouldn't let go of the money because of certain situation. Uh, again, this is where getting the proper education right. uh, about the, the product is, is critical. Um, but the last thing I'd like to share with RESPs is, yes, it's it's a it's a it's not tax deductible. However, if what if your child doesn't go to school? And, and the only reason I mentioned this is because you're talking with a with a guy who hosts this podcast about. Um, we talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, we talk about being the best that you can be um, outside or learning something new. Um, will education get you to that goal? And if, if my parents saved me 50 grand and I didn't go to school, guess what? That money is now going to be taxed either immediately upon withdrawal and, and you have to give the grants back. Right. Or they've, they've slotted into an RSP and paid a tax later. Right. So again, RESPs are not a bad investment vehicle, especially if it's solely for a child's education. Um, but there are other vehicles out there that can kind of attain the same thing. Um, and 
give you some other benefits as well. Okay. Well, that's definitely something that I'll make sure I note in the description. Um, so if somebody is going to call you about an RESP, maybe they can even inquire. And I think you'll probably just share that with them anyway to give them the options. But um, just a nice reminder for them to ask about that other product that could perform the same way or act as if it's an RESP and kind of give them the same kind of result that they're looking for. Um, sure. RESP. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, All right. There's one more product. This is the elephant in the room that a lot of people oh. are somehow not interested in talking about anymore. I don't know why. Uh, especially younger people, they just feel like it's not important. But I think they're so far wrong. Like they're really wrong about it. And that is life yeah. insurance. Life insurance. Right. And, amazing, fun topic. <laughs> right. No one wants to talk about it, but it's. It's really something that I think more and more people need to talk about mm -hmm. and should talk about. Um, what different types of life insurance are there? And okay. is one necessarily better than the other or do, you just, do they just provide different things and different needs? Okay. Um, yeah, you talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, I come across a lot of clients out there that um, I think before I start, Whoever's always remember the source of the information. Right. Yes, I probably get I get paid more on uh, different life insurance products, some more higher than others. But that's not necessarily what I'm going to pitch to you if there's no need for that solution. Right. Right. So um, having a license in this business to talk about it, just like I've I've claimed that I'm not a tax professional, so I shouldn't be talking about uh, the specific details of, of taxation. Mm -hmm. um, Life insurance is can be a critical part of your financial strategy, right? Uh, a lot of people don't talk about it. You said people don't understand it. Uh, even fewer want to buy this, yeah. buy life insurance, right? Um, maybe you bought life insurance. How many people that are listening to this podcast today have bought life insurance and don't even understand what they bought? Oh, I, I a lot of people. <laughs> a right? lot of people. Cause, right. So because they can't understand the language, right? Right. So right? they don't appreciate it. It's important. Yeah. Um, it, it's one way to build and preserve wealth, right? Mm -hmm. um, so even if you do it, maybe you don't even have enough, right? So um, I'm going to talk about the different types, but uh, I, I kind of just preface into it. Um, okay. People get insurance on, on their house, their cars. People even get insurance on their cell phones, right? Um, like we used to be able to travel. People got travel insurance, wow, right? So but, but Right. So, But life insurance doesn't insure your life. It insures your family's ability to continue with their lives uh, without being financially devastated. That's right. All right. So um, without saying income, imagine your income and something happens to you with your surviving family, where would they get that, that income from going forward? Mm -hmm. Right. So as, as far as life insurance uh, goes, yeah. uh, there's only two types, right? When we just, so we're strictly talking about life insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, there's temporary, which is commonly known as term, mm -hmm. right? And then there's permanent uh, life insurance. So whole life, universal life. Okay. Uh, when, when people ask me which one is better, it, it again, it really depends on, on what your situation is, right? right? Um, maybe you have current group plan coverage and you don't need, well, maybe you bought it through there and you don't need anything um, outside of the group coverage, right? right. Uh, a lot of people that don't like insurance, Derek, um, are, are some that can't even get insurance, right? They have current pre-existing medical conditions that uh, if they applied for insurance, it would either be rated, which is which means a higher price yeah. or they'd get declined yeah. right away. Yeah. Right. So people, um, uh, what do you call it? So term insurance, again, provides a temporary need 
for a set period of time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. There's even term products uh, that last 40 years. Um, uh, but you might use it to protect a mortgage, right? right. Uh, maybe protect uh, the fact that you might not be able to um, cover education costs for your children if you, in the event you, you pass uh, before they go to college or university, right? Uh, and the advantage to term is it's low cost, right? It can be renewed. Um, at any time without uh, proof of insurability uh, because you already have that coverage in place. But the, the ideal part is it, it keeps the costs low, right? Right. Uh, then you have the permanent insurance, uh, whole life or universal life. Again, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, um, financial guys out there that say stay away from these because of the fees and stuff. But again, we have to disclose the fees on, on what this stuff costs, right. uh, but it provides exactly what it sounds. It, it provides you insurance coverage for your entire life, uh, which is typically age 100. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you live past age 100, um, that's a different discussion, okay. all right? Uh, but right away, you know, because it's covering you for your entire life, uh, the costs are going to be a lot higher yeah. than term insurance, right? right. Um, but that coverage, yes, has some fees. There are still cost of insurance fees in there. Uh, but it also integrates a, what they call cash value or investment inside the life insurance. And if you remember from earlier in my podcast, anything inside life insurance is a tax-advantaged vehicle. True. If you have a half a million dollar policy and you die, your beneficiary gets half a million dollars, no tax. Beautiful. Okay? Beautiful. Um, but at the end of the day, people will say, well, why? I have a lot of people that say, why bother with cash value, um, whether it's whole life or universal, because... Uh, you can you can use a strategy such as buy term and invest the rest. Have you heard of that strategy before? Yeah, yeah. Right, you buy term insurance, keep a lot cost down, and then use whatever you're, you want to put investment into something else. Yeah. Um, but I'll give you a, a quick example. We have time, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll give you a quick example. You pay a thousand dollars in in premium for whole life insurance uh, when you can purchase maybe just say two hundred dollars for term insurance for the exact same coverage. Right, uh, you take that eight hundred dollars into another investment, say a mutual fund, for example, uh, to get a potential better rate of return, uh, and then use that investment to pay for the higher cost of insurance in the later years. Because if you need to continue your term insurance, it's not going to be two hundred dollars a year anymore at age forty-five, fifty. It's going to be like three thousand dollars or whatever the number could be. Right. Right. Um, there are a lot of people that believe in this kind of logic, uh, and I'll be honest with you, people that have whole life policies already would convert them not knowing uh, what they were doing because someone said just buy term because right. it's cheaper. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but in order for that theory to work, two things have to happen, right? One, you have to have the discipline to put that $800 away, right? You don't put that $800 away, then you, you're already losing in this scenario, right? Uh, if you don't put it away, you may end up buying term uh, and spending the difference. And then again, look at what we're going through with our economy. Now, if there's any uncertainty, uh, down the road, changing job markets, uh, being consistent with paying that $800 um, is going to be a problem, right? Then, of course, where do you put that $800? Where do, do you have to know where to put it, right? Other investments may be able to give you better rates of return, but they can also, what they call, sink your nest egg, right? So again, in either case, if your investments haven't performed well at, at the end of the term and the cost of insurance is significantly higher, uh, you may have lost all that surplus money, or even worse, may no longer be, to be able to afford any insurance coverage because you don't, you can't afford it anymore. Again, find this, find it, that suitable solution, that happy median. Uh, I am not a purveyor of 
permanent product. Uh, if it's if it's a term solution you need, and that's all you need, then that that's what we give. Um, but I, again, I have to show you all your options so you can make the best decision. All right. So you mentioned something earlier as you were um, talking, and I just want to go back to it and just remind folks that you know he said some people can't get insurance because they already have pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. Right now, I want you to, you know, if you're listening, take that in because what that basically says is if you can get insurance when you are younger, mm-hmm. before those conditions come, you know, to, to flourishing, then you are golden. But if you wait until your later years to say, okay, now I'm going to do it, but I already have a smoking habit and I have a <laughs> drinking problem and I got a kidney issue and I got this, you're not going to be able to afford it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now you really can't help anybody, not even yourself. So keep that in mind. The key, the message there is start early. Yes. <laughs> not later. Yeah. Start earlier. Yeah. And Derek, if I may, people get very morbid or think I'm morbid when I say, well, why does my child need life insurance? Um, people, maybe for just for some information for these listeners today, uh, you can get life insurance when you're two weeks old. And people will say, well, why the heck would I insure a two-week-old kid? And I, hey, what's, what's funny is when I, when I learned this concept, uh, one of my very close friends um, who I approached had just had a, a child. I think the child was three months at the time. And I go, do you guys have life insurance on your kid? Just a question. I wasn't there to sell it to anything to them. And they're like, Andrew, we actually do. And I go, well, I go, who taught you this or why did you do that? Uh, and first and foremost, they say, well, the cost is low, right? It's a, it was a permanent product. I think it was like $50 a month, but um, the wife uh, has very, uh, has a lot of pre-existing conditions. One was, one is which is diabetes, right? And diabetes ran in her family and this child, when they were born, does not have diabetes. So uh, insuring them at this time would guarantee that they could get insurance for the rest of their life, right? Uh, if you have diabetes, it's not impossible folks to get insurance. I can still fight for it. Um, but it will not, it may not cost, uh, the same, uh, as someone who is a hundred percent or a little bit healthier than you. Right. Right. Um, so thank you for all that information, Andrew. Now, my final question for you is why do you care to help as many people as you do? In in a simple, in a simple one worded line, uh, my parents are retired. My parents never taught me this stuff. And my parents are in their 70s still with a mortgage. Right? And you're going to say, well, you're their son. You should be helping them. That's Well, that's my goal. Right? Um, they don't live in Canada. They live in, in uh, the U.S. of A. Um, so a little bit different. They bought their house at the uh, the height of a, a housing boom in the early 2000s. And now their house is not worth much, but they still have a mortgage on it. Um, I don't want... Uh, I've shared my story, how I did a TV show, and all these things. Uh, I hate for people to go through what I went through, right? And if I can impart even 1% improvement in their financial situation, I will do whatever it takes to get them that 1%. Because if they learn that 1% just by meeting with me, how easy is it to get improve another 1% each and every day after that, right? Or each and every month after that, or each and every year after that. Um, hey, being in debt is not... Uh, a happy place. If you're in debt right now, you you might know maybe some sleepless nights, maybe some arguments with the spouse or the significant other, um, right? A lot of stress, right? So if you can get that weight lifted off your shoulder, if you can, maybe you're not in debt and learn some of these financial concepts to better 
your financial future. Um, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm, I'm here to show people uh, what it's all about. And hey, think of your retirement, how, how nice that'll be. Think of the generational wealth you can pass on to your, your grandkids, right? Uh, if you're not bor- uh, born poor, uh, it's not your fault. But if, you're, if you retire poor, you die poor, it's absolutely your fault. Right? You know, you know who said that, right, Derek? Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill Gates. No way. <laughs> Mr. Bill Gates. If you're born poor, it's not your mistake. Right. But if you die poor, it is. And uh, yeah. that took me to heart. We can read all the financial books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I love. Um, and it, it's just changing your mindset, getting out of that fear and, and not listening to someone like me or someone else at a bank and, and, and seeing it as a, a sales presentation. Right. This is an investment into your future. Putting money away is an investment. It's not an expense. And when people learn these very basic things or maybe just diff- do things a little bit different, they can change your life. Man. That's it. That's it. Man. Now, I just have one quote to bring it full circle. And then um, I want you to get the last word. And so we opened with the quote, you know, about stop complaining about what you don't have and using the tools that you do have. And the the quote I want to end with is dreams can only become nightmares if you don't take the necessary actions to live them out. You know, so you might have a dream of retiring early, but if you don't invest in that dream, it's not going to happen. And it's only going to become a nightmare that you're, you're going to be experiencing. So keep that in mind. Um, I like that one, you know, um, thank you. But before we wrap things up, I want you to leave, the listeners with one statement just to help them get started or continue on their journey of trying to get, um, you know, ahead of the curve with their future planning. Okay. Well, for the listeners today, I've talked about a lot of stuff, right? Um, But why do you want financial knowledge? Why are you, why do you, why do you work your job, right? To make money, right? And what, what what does that money go towards? Right. It goes towards a house or a new house. It goes towards traveling, retirement, maybe a better lifestyle. But you have all these goals and dreams. What are you doing right now to get to those goals and dreams if you haven't attained them already? And this is, again, just please don't misconstrue this as getting rich or wealthy. This is about a particular goal or dream that you've had or you, you, you currently have. And, and my way of sharing how to get to that goal and, and dream. Right. Because without a price tag on that goal, you're never going to hit the finish line. That's it. Now, before we wrap things up, Andrew, uh, if you don't mind sharing with us, how can people reach you um, to get more information, to learn more about everything that you discussed with us this evening? All right. So uh, I can be reached by telephone at 416-720-3547 by email. Uh, Very simple email. It's andrew at justsimplywealth.com. Uh, dot com. Um, I have an Instagram account. It's called uh, the, uh, I'll just say it's the FL mindset, but it's T-H-E-E, sorry, T-H-E-F-L-M-I-N-D-S-E-T. So the FL mindset. And if you are wondering what that stands for, uh, my Facebook page is called the financially literate mindset. So the FL in the FL mindset for my Instagram account is stands for financially literate and uh, first and foremost, I'd love to thank uh, Derek for the opportunity to be on this podcast. Uh, I've listened to a few of his podcasts, and I know he provides value 
uh, first and foremost with any podcast that he does. And I'm hoping it helps people uh, in any in any form or fashion so that uh, they can get better value and, and goals in their life. So uh, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. I want to thank you for, you know, saying yes, you're going to be on the show. And uh, I was a little I was a little nervous when you, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you first invited me, but we get out of our comfort zone, right? We That's get it. past the fear. Yes. That's it, man. I appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed it. And, and thank you for the wealth of uh, information that you provided yeah. us today. Um, for the listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in every week. And I hope you also got, a, a, you know, an abundance of information um, from Andrew, because I think he gave us way more than I anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm grateful for that. And um, again, you're listening to the DAP Show, Derek Asante Podcast. And until next time, love, peace, and that peace.